Welcome to FSN. I'm Wes Carey, and thank God we're back. It's been a bit of a hiatus, a bit of a Christmas, New Year's hiatus here, but we are back for episode 5, and finally, after a long time of wait, my, fr my friend, the incredible swearing horse, Tyler Colt, is back. Hey, do you all miss me? Yeah, I know censorship, we, we I know censorship did, but... <laughs> Such a shit didn't, but I know everyone else did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finally, our second host. He's been on the last two episodes. He's done a crack-up job. You guys have loved what he's done. We're welcoming, as a full-time host now, from TFSN in Canada, Charles Bergeron. Hey! Thank you, guys. It's really good to be back again, and I really been enjoying the uh, enjoying my my time with you guys. That's great to hear. So, I think considering how much how much you two have done over the, I think especially one one of you guys, uh, we should just start off straight up with around the world. Couldn't have gone better, me. Me and Mrs. Colt doing great. Service at the church, fantastic. Food at reception, mmm. And for any of the fans who are asking the immortal question, yes, we did. Ah, jeez. Yeah, uh, jeez, for a minute there, you sound like you're trying to sell the, sell the reception place. So and so. Yeah, I can admit, I got to sell it good. It did do, did do good for the reception and food. Uh, they probably did. So and so reception can be found at found at Whoop Whoop on the <laughs> on the highway on the highway. So yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so you kind of had a very decent waiting. Uh, what did you think about the episodes we did without you? Yeah, so you did really good. That's one you know pleased as punch that Mr. Bergeron you know has joined us. As a new friend here on the, on the FSN, you know, full, new full time host, really impressed. You know, with Charles myself as well. And, you know, he's filled in brilliantly during my absence, and you know, it's more uh, than happy to have him on board. Uh, thank you, Tyler. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got one host missing again. This time it's James Witherspoon, but he has a reason to be. He's been going out interviewing a few people that we haven't heard from for a while. You'll hear that on the next episode, guys. So. Stay tuned for that. Anyway, uh, Charles, how how has work been for for the Montreal Gazelle and the and for TFSN? Ah, well, uh, it's been a really good uh, holiday period, uh, especially uh, seeing how uh, uh, the team, the Royale, has been doing. Uh, pretty well after a rough start of the season. Uh, we have been pretty much excited to see the team. Uh, honestly, 
I'm, I wasn't really expecting much, but seeing our our team uh, got a, got themselves together and we had a, a nice uh, four game winning streak and we're right in the the running to the top of the of, of our division. It's been really a, a, an exciting time uh, following uh, the team mm-hmm. and uh, writing about them on the Gazelle. That is actually very good to see them actually start to win a few more games. I mean, they looked a bit down now at the beginning of the season, but now they're actually looking like they are a very good hope for for playoffs here, but we will talk about that later. Guys, I think it's time we talk about the 2017 FAFL expansion. I got a long road to walk down To catch a tram to my favorite ground Use my legs this was i mean i was on the i mean i was on the fafl twitter account when they were announcing these plays and i'm like as they continue to roll on i just started going geez they are really trying to build this team up i mean you look at some of these players and wow this oof. Yeah, I had it on the radio over because we was it was just after the reception, I believe, that the draft happened, and it's like every, when they, as they were announcing each name as they were selecting, it was like Jesus Christ, they're going all out for this. Yeah, well, is. it's it's pretty much uh, from what I've seen, big players uh, seems that certain team took uh, some risk in letting some players go, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but the thing is, is that, I mean, each team can only protect, like, ten players at a time, and considering that rosters can be as big as, like, 40-something players, that's a very... Like, you got to be very picky about who you protect, and, like, a lot of these teams have a lot more than, like, ten good players in that. I mean, they protected the ones that they felt really either were young guns that they needed to keep, or were their main stars. Some went with the young guns, some went with the main stars. So that's why we got stuff stuff here. Um, let's have a look here. First off, we saw we saw a huge loss for the Fremantle Panthers at pick one with Lulu Fry, a huge instrumental player in how in their run to the finals in 2017. She's now up at Brisbane, so there's a big pick there in the first one. Second one. Lido Smith from the Gold Coast. He he has been a very good player for the Gold Coast. A bit of a shame that he kind of got injured, and sadly, that game where he got injured earlier in 2017 will probably be the last game he plays in Gold Coast colors, unless he decides to come back at some point in time. But we don't know. He's now at Brisbane, so there's two very good forwards in the forward line right there at the moment. Here we go to pick three, and... Everything's blown wide open. The 2016 CJ Willing Trophy winner. 
the back-to-back -back winner of the Michael Brennie Bruce Medal for leading goal kicker, the man who has kicked 207 goals over over two years, Bayako from the Adelaide Butcherbirds, is now in Brisbane. And my God, you're gonna be if you are an opposing opposing backline, you gotta be shaking now. Yeah, because I already had words on the Geelong owner Jack Knight. It's like, you know, he already said himself, and I quote, you know, Biako is one of the main power kickers, main power scorers in this league, and he's already, you know, working with his, you know, his back lines in Geelong and how to prepare for someone like Biako. Yeah, I think everyone's going to be, everyone's been trying to stop the guy, and it's, and it's been very hard to do so. I mean, I can honestly say I think the only team who's managed to kind of get under the guy's skin over the last two years was Orange, and that and that was during the 2016 Grand Final. I mean, even in the disappointing year Adelaide had in 2017, Bayaka was probably one of their bright spots, and he was a guy who met, who was able to keep that team in for as long as they, for as long as they were in that race of the finals. So that is going to be a big loss to them. We continue on, pick four. Orange have lost rookie Regis Salvatore. He had a pretty decent year in 2017, but he won't be back there. He'll be going to Brisbane. Uh, pick five, we had a bit part player from Melbourne, Jimmy Hurst. He's actually been pretty decent for him, uh, but I don't think it would be a huge loss for them. Uh, now we're on to Geelong, Greg Austin. He's now gone from Geelong, and that kind of leaves a hole for them in the back line. Yeah, but don't, I can't remember how exactly it went for them, but I don't think defence was Geelong's strong point in their first year. Not really. Yeah, I'd expand a little bit on Geelong's fortunes, obviously, in the next section. But what was it? You know, defence is something they needed to work on, so perhaps that's why he was not part of Jack's, you know, protected 10. Yeah, that that would make sense, but I mean... As we get going down here, here are some we get some, a few more big losses. Uh, another rookie from, well, she wasn't a young rookie, but she because of her playing days in Gaelic football, she managed to get into the draft last year. Ladasha O'Darley from the Hobart Wolves is gone, and whew, she was actually probably one of the bright spots for the team during that season, where they kind of went five and three for the first half, and then completely lost every other game for the rest of the season. Ooh, it's, I mean, that's not good. It's not a good feeling to lose a player that you just drafted. I'll tell you that much right now. Pick eight. East Sydney have suffered a little bit of a loss in their backline. Tavares Volpentar is off to Brisbane, and as we'll get to a bit later, he might be more on the bench this year, but I expect after we talk about this other guy, I expect once he's done... He will take over, and I think he will continue the way with the way he's been going in East Sydney. Pick number nine, another kind of rookie here, Mile New Mile Nugent. He has probably been one of the bright spots for Darwin recently, so I expect with him to be in a much better team. I expect him to make a huge difference with that team because he'll start to be winning games. He'll probably start to be perhaps in a winning culture if they can get the everything right to begin with, but. A very good pick there. I like who they picked there for Brisbane. And that was the that was the first half of round one. What did you guys think? 
Yeah, it's like they go. <coughs> uh, come, come back to me. <coughs> just gonna, just gonna drink, Tyler. Just we'll come back to you. Uh, Charles, you're not the biggest expert in the faffle, but from what I've been saying and from what it sounds, this sounds like a big draft expansion draft to you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, if you check the other typical expansion draft uh, from our uh, uh, hand, like a F- uh, FBA or maybe in the UFFL, uh, you you see that usually uh, the team, the players that been selected, there's a good few player, good a few player, but. Uh, Otherwise, uh, it, it's not so, uh, s- something you, you can see, uh, you can uh, contest to be a, a big team right off the bat. And from what I've been seeing, the, uh, you've been telling with the, the players that the Brisbane has been picking, they could be a contender like uh, in their very first year, which... Uh, it's uh, it's pretty surprising, and, and I'm sure for the the Brisbane organization, uh, pretty much a blessing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was Brian Scherf at the moment, Brian Scherf at the moment, I'd be trying to keep an eye on these guys because I think if Orange starts to drop off, which we, we will talk about that in, a little bit about our thoughts tonight in the in the next section, but. If they start to drop off, I think Gold Coast might be in a in a spot to try and take the try and win their first flag at that. But they got to keep an eye on Brisbane. It. Excuse me. Uh, anyway, on to the second half of round one. Excuse me, round one. Uh, pick ten was Buckley Ford from the Unley Butcherbirds. Another good player from the team. He he has been pretty. He was pretty instrumental in getting that team to to back to back grand finals in 2015 2016. Uh, he I don't know. He, he was kind of not as well known in 20. Didn't leave as much of a mark in 2017. But I think he can get back to that form that 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 saw saw him as a part of the of those two grand final teams. So I think he might be decently all right. Another big blow to Fremantle, Kirk Ryan's off to Brisbane. And this is the second forward pocket that they've they've lost, and, well, it's not looking good for them in the fault line at the moment. Kirk Ryan, uh, he's been a pretty decent forward for the last two years. I mean, I don't think he had the season that Lou Fry had in 2017, but he is a very decent bit part player, and I think if he continues to improve, he will... He will be a pretty good player, and I think he could end up getting a few State of Origin selections for Victoria. Meanwhile, on to pick 12, Morgan Gotch, another rover-type player from Melbourne. He's been trained up by the team over the last two years. He hasn't gotten that much consistent game time, so he hasn't been a starter, starter so it's... He's a decent player, but I mean, if he gets a starting job over in Brisbane, I think he'll succeed well in that. Uh, huge blow for the Generals here. Probably, probably one of their best back back backline players here. Thomas Bryson's out. Tyler, like, 
tell me what what was what do you think the team was thinking when they kind of said we'll leave this guy off the protection list because they they could could have really used could have really kept him and built around him. Yeah, it's one of the things you know. I don't understand why you know Mr. Knight was thinking when he did not include him because like, yes, this offense wasn't exactly a blazing fire last season, probably more a smoldering cinder. But like I said, he is one of the own. That gentleman is one of the only decent defensive players they had. So for me, it's an absolute mystery why he was not on the protection list. Because now, obviously, you know, they've left themselves an even bigger hole in their defensive line. And it's one, will, will they be able to plug it? I don't know. Well, I mean, the bottom line here is they've still got, got Lee Adamley. And, like, geez, Lee Adamley is a stud. That if they, I mean, if they had to come down to Bryson and Adamley, I would have done what they did as well and pick Adamley to protect. So I think if if it came down to that, I would have protected Adamley over Bryson. Yeah, one protection I I still don't know why they did on on Geelong is you know the old you know Mister Troublemaker himself you know Mister Bartlett you know considering you know with you know what he's been involved in. Uh, would you really? I mean, Geelong isn't. Uh, I mean, keep in mind where where would he fit better at Geelong, where there's a lesser chance that he can go to clubs and that, or up at bloody Bris Vegas, where he can end up just just on. Where he's about an hour away from like the from the strip on on surface paradise. I mean, I mean, they must have been thinking for his well-being on top of on well over his overall ability. Touche. You know, if he was on the strip, you know, he'll be tagged off his face on nip almost every day. Yeah, and is that something that the Brisbane Broncos would really want? No. So. So, yeah, I don't think the league would want it either. So, yeah, it's, it's always protected. Um, Next one's another wing. Another Irish recruit here, this time from the Gold Coast, Kiva McCormick. She had a very decent year. Um, She's been pretty good for the Gold Coast over the last three seasons. A bit overshadowed by Matthew Blake in 2017. But she has done her job and... I think it would be a shame to see her go from the Gold Coast, but it is likely that she she is still going to be on the... Well, she is still going to be in Queensland and that, so it's not that big of a move for her. But, I mean, it's going to add a bit of a new level to this... to this... what is likely to be a hot rivalry between the Dragons and Brumpies, especially also with, with Lilo Smith there. Uh, Jeanette Mack from the Darwin Storm has, is pick, was pick 15, and, uh, she was okay, um, not the, well, with some of these teams, it's a bit, it was a bit hard to select who they could get, I mean, she's probably the, one of the better ones they could have picked from Darwin, uh, so I'm pick 16, uh, they got their rock fur from, who he, they originally played for Darwin 2016, got traded to East Sydney in the 2016-2017 off season, and now he's going to his third club in three year, in the three years of his career. Nick Price. Uh, they probably could have gotten a better rock for there, but uh, Nick Price is all right in that. I think I think he can at least be a decent backup. Perhaps he might surprise us all and become a decent starter. So I don't know. 
the runner-up in the 2015 CJ Willing Trophy, Star Haynes, has been was drafted pick 17. Kind of think he's getting a little long in the tooth, but maybe they need some experience in the center half forward. Perhaps they might be going for one in the draft pick number one. Who knows? And and finally, from the Orange Miners, Jock Jones. He's a two-time premiership player for him. Originally started off at the Melbourne Hammerheads. He goes with the club, and I think he's going to shine there. Guys... This is a this is stacked. This is stacked. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what was it, or what, how Brisbane you know manages the new league. Yes, they've got an absolutely fantastic crop of players. You know what they've been able to pick from the expansion draft, but it's like you know, let's see what they will do with them because it's all right having you know the best weapons in your arsenal, but doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win games. We shall see how that goes. Yeah, that is a that is a good question on them. But uh, we have uh, go go ahead, Charles. Right, it's really fine by me. Like I said, uh, Tyler has a really good uh, point about uh, it's good to really have a, a, a roster for a star. But if you can't manage them and uh, not be able to have a good chemistry between them, you might as well just uh, have a, a second-rate team. Yeah, I agree with you guys on that one. But on top of it all, they managed to get someone in the second round that, that was huge as well. I kind of foresaw saw this last episode. Sean Vincent has unretired, and he has been selected to be a part of the Brisbane Brumpies in 2018. Yeah, I'm a little little bit undecided on why he decides to unretire. It's like, you know, will his passion still be there? And obviously, if you're not 100% committed, you ain't going to put, you know, 100% out on those fields. Yeah, that is true. Okay, um... Well, I mean, that is true. I think, honestly, if he doesn't have the passion he had with the miners in his chase for, like, a premiership and that during most of his career, I mean, it took him, like, God, he was a veteran by the time he'd won a premiership in 2015. So, yeah, but if he doesn't exactly have the drive he had for most of his career, then that's that may hurt him. But if he's still got something there, that he's going to be an asset to the Brumbies... For the short term. I mean, he ain't going to be there for very long. I mean, he's a bit long in the tooth as well, and, well, who knows how he's going to go. But, I mean, as I said before, I mean, they do have Tavares Volpentar in the, in the in the back, perhaps, even on the interchange bench. So, if Sean's starting to be a bit, like, if he's starting to drop off and that, they do have a good option to go to. <coughs> But anyway, most of the rest of the draft, I think the rest of the draft was mainly, like, it was mainly kind of, they got some decent young talent. Uh, Charles? Yes? Uh, did, were you going to say anything? Uh, well, yeah, 
Other than that, I, I don't, I don't have really much else uh, to think. Like I said, uh, I wish I, I knew more about the, those players, but uh, unfortunately, I, I'm trying to catch up and maybe watch a little more baffle, uh when I can. Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, meanwhile, they dropped uh, quite a few decent young talents from the reserves rosters, and that. I mean, I'm going to say Renee Bird from the Gold Coast Reserves. Uh, Java Van Millsworth, he's kind of promising here. Gideon Milford, I think he can he can easily come into a starter role if he has to. Uh, and got a few decent ones here, but I mean, yeah, they mostly won't be on for sure at the moment. I mean, some of these people like, might have to wait a little bit before they can actually get into the squad, seeing up how star-started it is. But we've talked enough about Brisbane and how they're looking. I think it's time we need to look at the other clubs in the mix at the moment. And let's go in alphabetical order. Let's start with Adelaide. They have lost two big players here in Buckley, Ford, and Bayako. Is this team heading for a rebuild? I mean, they finished outside the finals for the first time in a long time time last season they were struggling in quite a few bits they got some decent players but they need some time to get to get to a decent level where you can say that they are a final finals of a team and yeah I mean do you think this team is aiming for a rebuild well they're going to have to rebuild one puck so like you said no they lost a good amount of their offensive power so you got a little bit of a you know a forced rebuild from that from that alone you know losing losing the players that they have it's like are they going to be able to find someone of the same caliber and even if they do how are they going to gel with the rest of the butcher birds? Mm-hmm. There's a good question there and actually speaking of of the whole Bayak and leaves do they need to pick up a full full Ford A S A N P? Well, I would think they would do because I say no. The season ain't going to be that far off if we're, you know, we've got the draft pending, and you know they need someone like I say now, so they can start maybe you know in practice and training, start getting them to gel with the team. Because mm-hmm. like we said, you know, with you know with the Brumbies, it's all right having you know all the skill and all the muscle, but if you ain't going to gel with your teammates, you're pretty much out in your ass. Yeah, that is true. I mean. They drafted Alenta Williams last year to be kind of back up to Bayako. And they've also... They got... they Each team got some reserve elevations here. I mean, they got Lee Christensen at full back and Reba Nye at full forward. But if they're going to try and rely on Atlanta Williams and Reba Nye, they're not going to have as... Have, they're not going to be as good as they were in the forward line last season, so... Do I think they need to pick up a full forward ASAP? Perhaps, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't... I'd look at the field, see what's there, look at the draft class, look at free agency, see what's there, and if there is actually something you think could be better than those two, perhaps go for it. Meanwhile, let's move on to Darwin, and guys, are they really ready to progress? I mean, in 2016, their first year, they were 2-14... 2017, 2-14 again, but uh, 
but they were improving performance-wise. The they were losing, but they weren't losing as badly. So, do you guys think they're ready to progress and perhaps start winning a few more games, or is it going to be another two and fourteen season here? Uh, I think their fans deserve a better season, doesn't it? Like, as you said, it's been a rough first two seasons for Darwin, and you know it's like the players want. You know, to improve, they want to start getting some more W's on the scorecard. Is it ready for Darwin to start? You know, getting more than just two victories in the season? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so too. But keep in mind, this will be their excuse me. This will be their third priority pick in the top three for the. Jeez, is it going to be like the? This is going to be the third year in a row they've got. Like, it was pick one, 20, the 2015-16 draft, and then the 2016-17 draft. This this draft, they're getting pick number two. So, yeah, we'll be seeing how how they go. Uh, East Sydney, um, they looked pretty good for considering where they were in 2015 in 2017. Like, they have actually gone from being a complete joke in Salad Dweller at... At let's see, their record I think was two nineteen and two maybe I I think yeah two nineteen so and now they're like six and ten and just at the door of like finals and that like if they'd gotten two more wins last season perhaps they could have actually displaced either the Generals or the Panthers and actually gotten in but they are looking pretty good. Uh, can they really make the next step toward? Can they make the next step towards the finals next season? And what really needs to be improved on there? Well, uh, well, from uh, what I seen you when you talked about, uh, they seem to be pretty much in in a really good spot. I mean, they recently, uh, I think, uh, they recently hired a new head coach, mm-hmm. and. Yes, and uh, uh, from what I've, I've been heard, uh, they pretty much uh, been concentrating on keeping the the, the good the, their the right piece uh, at the right place and going to uh, going to work uh, on the free agency. So they mm-hmm. seem to have a, a level head uh, going ahead. That, that is good to that's good to hear. I would probably agree. Uh, I probably agree too. Uh, Tyler, do you think they could make the next step towards the finals in 2018? To be honest, I'm a little bit undecided. Because like I said, yes, you know, they made a vast improvement last year. But it's like, like, you know, the Brumbies took, you know, a good couple of players from them. And it all depends, I think, it will hinge on who they pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Whether, right. whether they will improve or not, it will be depend on the draft. Yeah, I'd probably agree on that, too. Um, I'd say they're probably one of the least hit teams. I mean, they only really need to replace Tavares Volpentar, really, out of the ones that got drafted. And, wait, have we got another guest here? I know, sorry, I'm late. I was delayed. You didn't tell us you're going to be on this episode, James. Hey, James, James, my buddy. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I texted you and told you that I might be a little bit late. 
Oh, you didn't... I didn't get the message, so sorry about that. Uh, so you were actually... Let's just quickly talk about what you were. You were getting some interviews with a few people, right? I was gone for a few weeks. I went to this weird, interesting convention in San Jose, and uh, I heard a rumor that a former commentator from the... FBA team at Latrans, who is a was a huge sports enthusiast back in the day, like mm-hmm. what three years ago, three or so years ago. That's a long time for dog years or canine years. But anyway, I heard he might be there, and I wanted to give the viewers at home a glimpse of what he's been doing. And I did manage to get a brief interview with him, and then just as I just as he was heading out, I was heading towards the lobby, and I found this certain bear from the Arizona website, Albert John Menendorf, mm-hmm. and I heard he, I was I was surprised to find him there. Yeah, I, I was like, too. I was like, wait, doesn't he have to play a game tomorrow? What, 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 what's going on? Mm-hmm. So, I decided I would seize the opportunity and just ask if he'd be interested in a quick interview, and I managed to get about Five minutes along with them. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, oh. That's cool to hear. Yeah, so, so you're fine with us playing the interviews a little bit later in the show? Yeah, I'm very fine with them. I just got to get the sound guy to get them. Well, I got to get... I'll get send you the one I did with Albert John Mandorf, but then I got to wait for T-Matt to edit his because aside from him being a... Well... Minor spoiler alert for the interview. Team Matt Latrans is now an audio engineer for a little game for a gaming group, and he's actually having a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. So we record we were recorded on his equipment. Ah, sorry, sorry, a little fumble there from uh, the flight because it was like super delayed and stuff. I'm really tired and stuff, but uh, right. he recorded on his gear, so I got to wait for him to. Um, quickly edit it and send it to me and then I'll send it to you guys and we'll have it all good and go. Okay, so we'll be doing that interview next episode or this episode? Uh, we'll try and squeeze it in this episode if we can. If not, then we'll squeeze it in next time. Yeah, okay, cool. So, <laughs> you, you missed a little bit we talked about Tyler Colt's wedding. Uh, introduced Charles as our new full-time host. And we kind of talked a bit about the FAFL expansion draft. At the moment, we're currently kind of talking about teams in the expan- teams off the expansion draft. We've talked about Adelaide, Darwin, East Sydney. Now we're going to talk about Fremantle. Uh, James, I don't think you're much of an expert in the FAFL, so we can continue from where we were, and you can start jumping in maybe in the, when we get to the next next segment, which won't be long. That sounds good to me, I guess. That'll give me a chance to get my notes up and, well, get over that flight, because I'll tell you, getting out of the Bay Area was tough. There was fog, and there was, I don't know, some uh, weasel on the plane trying to mess with a few wires and a couple other things. I don't know what was going on. I guess you could say the flight was a little rough. Uh, (laughs) Watch it. Watch it. 
I may have a plastic hip, but I can still kick your ass, so watch out. <laughs> anyway, Tyler, no, Trump, oh, go ahead. I was, gonna, I was looking over at our uh, engineers over there who were giving me the dirty look like, really, he's starting already? I said, I'll tell you right now, I'm allowed five per episode. You can count two up because I did cuss one time during one interview, so yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the interviews. Alrighty then. So, let's get back on track, Charles. Tyler, let's continue here. Now we're talking about the female Panthers here. As I said before, they've lost practically their back pocket. They've only got Erica Lunaborn left. Has this fault line been decimated? And will Colin Travson, the main full forward for Fremantle, who struggled in 2017 because of the pressure put on him, will he have too much pressure put on him trying to get the team back to the finals? Well, uh, already that they seem to lose uh, some precious player and have uh, some line now missing, it'd be important for the team to uh, get uh, get some uh, good replacements in order to show up the team and maybe uh, help uh, Mr. Traveston uh, to have uh, less pressure to perform because too much pre- pressure already with the tough uh, season last year uh, it's it's never going it's never good for a player mm-hmm. Tyler your thoughts yeah I don't think I don't think the guy will be able to handle you know the pressure of being you know, say he was put in as the main forward for them mm-hmm. I think he will buckle under the pressure again I think you know for mental in terms of offensive power for this season they're going to struggle so, guys, with that information, do they need to get for do they need to get a four pocket in free agency? Do they have to just just go full in with some guy? I mean, there are some that they could possibly go for. Rupert Mirat's one that comes straight to mind. Do they need to go for them in free agency just flat out straight away, or try and just get a deal on a trade here? Uh, I think they'll have to maybe go for a trade because I think you know relying on a rookie to be their main you know their main offensive kick, while it may pay off for them, it is a huge risk. So I think they'll be better off you know trying to find as I call it some trade tokens for lack of better terms from the draft and try to grab some sort of offensive kick from one of the other teams. Mm-hmm. I would agree on that too. Uh, Ge- we now move on to Geelong. They were very good in their first season. They got a finals berth in their first year, but they were knocked out pretty early in the finals. And honestly, where to now? Can they really afford to coast along with their current crop of stars, or do they need a bit of a boost in either free agency, the draft, trading, or even all, all three? Where do you think they stand right now? Well, I think... The night's plan is to, was you know maybe get because they got a few spaces available I think especially after the expansion draft and I think obviously they'll be looking to build defensively offensively I think they're fine but obviously for everyone involved in Geelong yes they inherited you know all the old players from the Dingoes team mm-hmm. but you know it was you know for everyone backstage and especially Mr Knight it was a learning learning experience for everyone now, I think it was extremely oh, fortunate. Yeah, they were extremely fortunate to make it to the postseason as they were. Will he needs obviously 
how good they do for season two of the Geelon Generals will depend on how much everyone backstage has learned and if they can pick up some decent defensive power in the draft. Yeah, that I think I would agree with that too. They they need to get some decent draft picks with the picks they've got. They perhaps may need to get one or two free agents if they possibly can. But yeah, if they can do that, I think it I think they can make it back again next season. But they will need some of their players to kinda pick up a little bit. I mean Beatrice Warrior was alright in spurts, but I think that injury at the beginning in preseason kind of set her off, set, set her back a bit. Uh, Damien Bartlett needs to get his head in. I think. And stop sniffing nip off, nip off people's woohoos. I had to say to myself that I was about to say something else, but yeah, he had to stop, stop sniffing nip off body parts. Yeah, you know my thoughts on it, but yeah, he needs to get his head in, otherwise I think Geelong need to let the guy go. But yeah, I think, I think if they can... If a few players can pull through, they can get a few decent acquisitions, and some of their better players like like James Orland, the Harmon Twins, and Lee Adamley can have decent seasons next season. I think they're in good hands. Anyway, let's move on to the runners-up from last year. They probably wish they were premiers at this point. I mean, they've been runners-up plenty of times now. It's the Gold Coast Dragons... They they are looking pretty good. They perhaps need to get a replacement for Lido Smith and Keegan McCormick, but at the moment they look very good and a lot of red-hot go. The fault line that got them to the grand final is still intact. This is looking good, guys. What do you think they need to get for that last push to their first premiership? Or do you think that 2017 was lightning in a bottle for them and they might not be able to catch capture the magic? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, Charles, you first, my friend. Uh, thank you. Well, it really depends. I mean, they come so close, and as you said, if the team's still looking solid, minus a couple of few acquisitions that could take in free agency, well, they they might as well be able to return to the final next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mother, I'm not sure what they exactly need. To obtain, like you said, they got a, the main core of the team is still there, but it's like, what do they need to obtain from maybe draft frenzy? I do not know. I think they will make the postseason easily. It's what they do, but whether they make, you know, you know, another premiership, te- another premiership game to try, you know, defeat the curse of the Gold Coast, mm-hmm. it depends. I think you know because obviously all the other teams are going to be aiming for the same thing. So I think it'll all hinge as well on what everyone is up to. Gold Coast has the power to make postseason. Will they make another final? We'll see. Yeah, I'd agree too. I mean, if they can get that last push, I think I think that curse is over. I think finally they will break it. But it all depends on how they go and how, how the teams around them go. I think if the miners drop off a bit, I think their main problems, problems are going to lie with Melbourne, and we'll get to that in a sec, but first we're going to talk about the team that that looked promising to begin with in 2017, but then completely, I'm not going to even say the analogy, but they pretty much turned it into a real mess. It was it was the Hobart Wolves. They pretty much kept trying to change everything up, change players here, change players there, change the strategy, change this. It was hard to see a consistent side during the second half of the season, and it showed on the scoreboard. 
They went 0 and 8 in the second half after going 5 and 3. They have a lot of decent players, but they need to really know how to use them. How can the Wolves avoid a repeat of the second half of 2017 in 2018, and what do they need to do to get back on track? I think I might have just implied it. Exactly. I think they need to figure out, you know, what their main core of the offense and defense is. You know, who are their main power players on both sides? And have them as a starter, as then build around that. Like you said, you know, the way they were dropping and changing so much within the second half of the season, I think that's what kicked them with consistency. They was having some good moments, but it was having good moments across the entire game that killed them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the antithesis of the season was when they kept trying to change from from, da- from Dale Quinn to Perry Dameron to, to even Blair Elliott at one point. Like, if they couldn't keep... If they kept having the rock folk, I mean, I mean... How, if you're constantly having to change your rock fur, how are you meant to beat dominant teams in the rock fur position like Orange, Melbourne, Gold Coast, even, like, trying to see who, who was the other team, even Adelaide in some respects. I mean, if you can't beat those teams in the rock, you're not going to be able to get the clearances you need to get to the fault line, and thus you're going to get beaten. I think that was the antithesis of the second half of the season for them. I think I agree, I agree completely with you, Tyler. They need to just they need to kind of find the core they need, stick with it, and see where it takes them. Because they did that in the first half of the season, and look where it got them. They were they were in the finals hunt, and they only needed like three wins, three more wins out of the out of the final stretch of eight to get themselves into the finals. Yeah, it was it was heartbreaking, you know, for the players on Hobart sites and tanks so badly. Especially for, you know, their first round pick rookie, Gloria Lynn, who they accepted in last year's draft, you know, she suffered an unfortunate injury in the first part of the season and and she was out for the majority of it, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. But then when she, as soon as she got back, you know, got onto the field, started playing her first games, that was it. It was just it was all, all went to hell in the handbasket pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine what's like someone like her. You know, you make the big leagues, you make it, you make the FAFL, and all of a sudden, when you get your first chances out in the field, it all goes to shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gloria, excuse me, Gloria Lynn was a uh, was pretty good for them during this stretch. But I mean, she was probably one of the only few. I mean. I think Akami Gohoa did okay, but he he needs kind of consistency to be able to do well. I think there are some others who had played really well. I think Jeremy Swiftling really stood out. They they need to actually play him either on the wing or in the rover, rock rover or rover position because that guy's another stud. They need to not only do they need to hold on to him, but they need to they need to utilize him very well because like he actually did. Considering how the team went, he did very well indeed in CJ Willing trophy polling for 2017. I think he was, I think he was in the top 10. Like, that is a really good effort. But yeah, I think that's what they need to do to get back on track. About, I mean, I think they have the talent to actually get into the finals, perhaps even do very well in the finals. They're just going to utilize it. Meanwhile, let's move on to Melbourne. They are looking very, very good at the moment. They, I would say, could perhaps be favourites for the flag in 2018. Do you, I mean, 
they are pretty good a lot of in pretty much all places. The defense, when it's when it's most of the time, is able to lock forward lines in place. They're forward line. They've got very decent players in in Emily Lancaster, uh, Sam Sergeant, or Sergeant or whatever. I can't remember his name. I think it's Sergeant. Uh, Am- Angela Condy. Hamish Connor. They got a lot of decent forwards there. And then you've got the midfield. A great midfield at that. They got Kenneth Marthy. Jacob Hawkins Jr. and The Rock. They got Carter Hayes. This is a team that could take that could go all the way, people. In fact, they were kind of unlocking not to. I mean if I think personally I think if the Dragons did get it done against Against the Miners in the second semi-final. I think we would have gotten a completely different grand final. We would have gotten the Dragons versus the Hammerheads. I think the Hammerheads were pretty much the only team that could beat that could beat Orange consistently last season. So, guys, do you think they're favorites for the flag in 2018? And do they just need one or two new players to get them there? Yeah, I think well, any team... Oh, yep. Uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, Tyler. Yeah, okay, okay, thank you very much, my friend. Yes, I think Melbourne are definitely going to be the favourites. Like I said, it was unfortunate that they didn't make the Premiership Finals last season. I think they're going to be the ones to go all the way and, and be the ones to upset, you know, the Premiership streak of the Orange Miners. What, are some extra players needed? You know, you can never have too many reserve players, to me. Because, you know, they may, you know, have... Because no team's... You know, immune from injuries. They may have some of their key guys maybe hurt themselves a game or two, and they may need someone to back them up. So one or two extra players might not do them any damage. Yeah, I would agree. Um, are they fair for the flag at the moment? I don't know. They'd be up there, but I'd have to see how things go go for them and Orange and the Gold Coast and that. I have to see these teams play, and I have to see how they're going. But finally, let's move on to the Orange Miners. They're trying to go for a... Pretty much they're trying to tie a record that Fremantle set set a decade ago. Something that we thought we'd never see again. Four in a row. They've got, they've got the two-time CJ Willing Trophy winner in Rudy Walker. They've got Cecil Brooks. They've got Steve Lambert, the new captain in The Ruck. They've got they've got Ryder Walker, who's finally starting to become a a damaging weapon on the wing. We've got some we've got some decent backline players, but at the moment, as we saw in as we saw in the expansion draft, people they lost not only Regis Salvatore, Jock Jones, but also former captain Sean Vincent, who they were going to lose anyway. So there's three big parts of the backline gone. That is not good for them. Is the Premiership window closing on this team? Is four in a row just too much for them? Can the Myers even find anyone to fill the shoes of Vincent Jones and Salvatore immediately? What do you guys think? Is it possible that they go four in a row here? Well, uh, judging from what you said earlier with the, 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 the top three like Melbourne and maybe... The Gold Coast, uh, right on their tail, is going to be important to see what uh, can they do to. Uh, I mean, they still got a 
pretty big, potent team. It really is going to depend on what is going to happen during the free agency in order uh, for, for them to, uh, to keep up with the other teams. If they don't have a good offseason and the other teams are, are uh, pretty much uh, uh, got better, especially with Melbourne, uh, that's going to, to get a little tough. Tyler? Yeah, it's like, you know, they want to, you know, match or even break the record of the amount of consecutive premierships. Uh, they'd be tying the record. Would... If they were breaking the record, they'd be going for five in a row. Yeah, I still think, though, is the win, is, you know, the streak of the Orange Miners going to continue? I do not think so, because they've already got themselves, you know, a huge target on their back as it is now, you know, with three straight wins. Uh-huh. So I think, you know, you know, they lost, like you said, two huge players in Vincent and Jones. Can they replace them? I don't think they can, because Vincent and Jones, they are two fantastic, amazing players. We're in the Hall of Fame, that's for sure. Definitely Sean but, Vincent. Yeah, it's like they're, they're not going to be able to replace them, and I don't think, they may make the postseason, but I don't think they'll make the Premiership. I would express those sentiments as well. I mean, Rudy Walker... He's managed to change the tide a lot for these teams, but as we've seen with Bayako and Adelaide, one player cannot carry the whole team on their back. It's just impossible, even if you are are practically a stud of a player, you are pretty much the top of the league, you are probably the best pound for man player at the moment. Doesn't matter doesn't matter if you are that. If you have to carry the entire team on your back, you're not getting to a premiership. So yeah, those that that is the team needs of the expansion draft. We will come back to them after the after free agency, the draft, and that, and we and we will preview all the teams and and just have a look at how they're looking. But right now, we've had a look at the we've had a look at the U the no not the UFL the Faffle, Sorry, we've had a look at the Faffle and the expansion draft. Brisbane look pretty good at the moment. Some teams look good for a premiership. Some teams need to make some improvements. But now it's time to have a look at the UFFL. It's not really much at the moment for the UFL, but there are some things we, we should look at. First off, we had the trade deadline just recently, and wow, fingers were moving, teams were calling, everyone was trying to get everything done, and we got the huge, huge number of two trades. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think people were trying to ring around, but no responses being gotten on some lines. Perhaps, maybe just teams like to do it, like to trade in the off-season. It happens. Yeah. Well, uh, either that and certain teams sometimes uh, feel that they don't have uh, any leverage to ask for trades, especially teams that right now are struggling mm-hmm. uh, because uh, 
I mean, uh, because uh, in trade deadline, you know, you got your buyers and you got your sellers. And uh, this year, it seems that the ones that would be pretty much sellers uh, uh, wouldn't want to risk uh, to do trade and lose already what they got. And uh, in uh, terms of buyers, uh, well, something seems uh, to be like, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, so many teams seem to be confident with their with their roster at the moment, and uh, but there was a few a few uh, trades, uh, and I should know because uh, two of them uh, involved the Royale. Mm-hmm. Your favorite team, apparently. Willie well, has it's to report on them. This is well, well for you. So let's see, what did Montreal send? They sent, let's see, they sent, uh, Edward Fletcher, who was a center to the Grand Rapids Dragons for Alexander Gamble, a defensive end. Mm. Mm. Yeah, uh, Alexander Gamble is a great, is a great defensive end, uh, even better than what the Warrior had right now. Uh, the contract is a little bit steep. But I think uh, the Royal had enough room to cover that. And Everett Fletcher uh, is uh, is uh, actually is the next uh, athlete with for the Dragons before. So it seemed to uh, be a, a, a trade that, that allowed uh, to have some talent back with the Dragons. That seems to make a little bit of sense. Uh, mm-hmm. My only question is, was Ever Fletcher a starting center or was he backup center or third string or what? Where did he well, get on the depth chart? Well, Fletcher, uh, usually Fletcher was uh, two on the depth chart because uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's pre- uh, as a center, it's pretty much Lugo that is the starter. But uh, seeing with the problems... Uh, with the O line uh, during the season, uh, the team has been trying to uh, give uh, other teams a, a, a certain different role, try to spread out it, uh, to have a combined effort uh, on the line. So uh, some some games, uh, some of those players didn't play uh, exactly in their natural position, uh, but it, it did uh, do some good uh, among other times, especially with that four uh, four win. Uh, Season uh, streak. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. Meanwhile, Montreal did another trade here. They sent Zachary Munson a tackle and Adrian Jarez a linebacker to the California Dons for Dusty Redburner a tackle. So, Charles, I'll leave this one to you. What do you think about this trade? Well, uh, from what I've seen, uh, uh, Dusty Redburner is a young kid, but has a tremendous lot of potential. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's still uh, growing. Uh, and he, in, uh, if uh, the Royals uh, keep uh, do right with him, he's going to be a, a big star in the future once he grows. To be, they pretty much... Uh, uh, t- took him uh, as a long-term project in order to uh, sell, uh, settle uh, the tackle position that's All been right. troublesome 
during the season. And at the same time, they gave uh, the dance uh, a reliable uh, monsoon. Uh, he, he did his job pretty well for, for what is, uh, what is worth. Uh, and as, and Adrian Juarez, it was an extra linebacker that we had. And I'm sure uh, the Dons will be uh, pretty pleased to have uh, a decent linebacker to help, uh, as the, the Dons, uh, def- uh, the Dons linebacker core is pretty young. This is true, and also it's a two-for-one special, so the Dons are, I believe, getting the better end of the deal in this one. Yeah, they really need it at this point. They are not looking like they did last season. Uh, Tyler, your thoughts on it? Yes. Oh, what was he saying about it? Well, brain's gone. Uh, we're talking about the... Welcome to my of, world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, gonna... you've, got, you've got an excuse. You're old. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about I'm the Monson and, and Juarez trade to California for Dusty Redburner from. The yeah, Royale. I'm guessing they probably didn't have that much faith in Munson to get the job done because if they've traded a tackle and another player or another tackle, they must see you know red you know the new one new guy Redburner. You know, as superior to Munson, because you can just imagine how that guy must be feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Especially going from a team that looks to be in the playoff hunt to a team that looks completely out of it at this point. But yeah, let's move on to a mid-season overview. And guys, what? How have you been? How how have you felt about this season? I mean, I think it's been a pretty good season here. A lot of surprises here and there. And I think we were right about two of the teams we thought would be at the top, but the other one, I think we were completely wrong. We completely were underselling them. Yeah, it's been like well, a season of surprise. We've obviously we had like you know the the catnip you know story that's still ongoing. Uh-huh. You know we've had you know some ma- interview for that sometime soon. Yes, I believe uh, we're just trying to get in contact with Erin to get the uh, interview done with uh, with Jack with Jacqueline whenever they can get hold of her. She seems but yeah, you know, busy. yeah, she's pretty loose, especially after you know she got court cases. She's been very quiet on the social media front as well. Mm-hmm. Everyone's wondering where she's been. But you know, we've had you know like the catnip incident. We've had some major trades, like you know where you know that there was that major blowout at Texas between you know the, the Ramblers GM Jack Knight and wide receiver Kova Ludko that ended in the trade. That has actually ended up going very well for Baltimore there. I mean, I think Ludko has found finally found a home there, and I think it's good to have a really good wide receiver working with Aspen Redfield. So I think that trade has gone well for Baltimore. I I don't really know how Krakowski's gone. I mean, John Krakowski, not the not his brother at New Orleans. Yeah, I think uh, what is he? he's currently injured at the moment, isn't he? Oh, jeez. Yeah, because I think he had well, like, one or two games in. It's like boop, down he went. Well, but maybe, we'll have, we'll have more on the more pick the right time to get the right trade. <laughs> yeah, but overall, obviously, we got we'll elaborate a little bit more on the Ramblers' current fortunes in a bit. Mm-hmm. But what was it? You know, like I said, we've had catnip, we've had trades, we've had some, like I said, some quite surprising and shocking finishes to games, especially in even in the most recent weeks. So, uh, yeah, I think yeah, we're in yeah. for a treat of a season. 
Yeah, the only thing that could top this is if we had like an international game. Maybe, who knows? Maybe we could see a re- some at some point. Maybe there could be a repeat of what the Faffle are currently doing in the U.S. Maybe we might see an Australia <laughs> game here for a, maybe preseason one time. I also, don't know. Also, uh, wasn't it like a couple of weeks ago where some dragon? I think it might have been the uh, Ramblers GM or something like that streaked naked across the. Field during a Miami game, I think it was. Oh yes. Uh, like a, anyone, ever, anyone ever figure out who that was? Yeah, um, exactly who that was. He looked very was familiar. A, I saw. I think I might have seen him in the booth once. He he might have been with the other guy who once got passed. He once passed out with alcohol and that. Yeah, I um, think he's trying to. Yeah, it's it was our old friend Jack Knight. You know. He was wanting to, well, you know, not be outshadowed by his sister in the news of her, you know, love triangle with Bartlett and Kenton. So he's like, anything you can do, sis, I can do better. Half a dozen of beer, whoo, get me knob out, run. Um, I really hope he doesn't do that during a Faffle Grand Final because, I mean, God, there'd be a huge, there'd be a huge TV audience on that, <laughs> and they'd have to stop playing the game. Yeah, I know they'd be throwing yeah. a lot of balls. I know they'd be throwing a lot of balls around in the field, but that's not the kind of balls they want to see. Uh, well, any anyway, uh, if, uh, I can, if I can uh, return the subject a little bit, uh, for what I've seen uh, so far, uh, it's clearly shown that the United Conference seems to be a lot a lot stronger than the Continental. Uh, as uh, the four top team uh, in the United is, is pretty much the one we were kind of expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, North Florida at 9-2 seem to be c- uh, continuing where they left off uh, last season. Uh, we got the net, they're the Ramblers who have been uh, following a, a seven win- winning streak of seven. That's right under there. Uh, the Titans, that seemed to have faltered a little bit, but still uh, right in. And the uh, Outlaws, which is surprisingly in fourth when yeah, we that were. That's really surprising. When we were one, didn't, we, didn't one of us predict that they would be probably the favorites for the Furball? Uh, I think a couple of us have been tolling that, but uh, it's just surprising. Maybe it's a sign that uh, other teams have been preparing. So, and, of course, uh, and the uh, last year champions, the Bandits, that uh, low and below, they still, to, they still uh, seem to have some fight left in them, and we'll be talking about that uh, uh, later. Yeah. yeah, and uh, in the Continental, it's been uh, Fargo's all the way, uh, and now we're having an interesting fight between the Ponies and the Royale uh, for the second spot, and uh, following by uh, Eastern and Grand Rapids that seem to regain some steam. Uh, so uh, the Continental, if anything, it's going to be interesting to see who going to place where at the, the very end of the season. It will be. This will be a very tight playoff race in that conference, and one that you def- they will definitely be one to watch. 
Absolutely. So let's move on to, is it Terence Curran? Ah, yes, the story, yeah. Yeah. One week, he looks like a complete and epic bust, and then the next week he plays like a Hall of Fame quarterback. How does it happen? I don't know, but... In week Where 10, did he plays this kick come from? I don't know. In week, in week 10, he plays against Montreal. Only gets 14 completed passes out of 28. 170 yards. Gets picked off six times and is absolutely awful. Yet, he comes back the next week, completes 25 passes, 406 yards, four touchdowns, one INT, and his player rating is, frankly, quadrupled. Or even more so. Like, this is ridiculous. He's gone from, like, a rating of 29.5 to 132.4. That's a huge jump. Like, if your doctor saw that, he'd get very concerned with the jump, with the number. Yeah, I'm guessing yeah. He, probably had, he probably had his ear bent a little bit from his performance against Montreal. And he probably, you know, really put the fire up his ass. And, man, did, it, and man, did he really pull it out. And it's like, you know... Four touchdowns and, you know, only intercepted once. It's like, Jesus Christ. And not only that, he gets about 406 yards, and that's that's over doubling double the yards he got the previous week. This is this is amazing. <laughs> like, Yeah. If he, if he, if he didn't bounce back from bad games like this, then, like, geez, he's definitely worth keeping. I mean, geez, if he has a bad week, well, don't worry. Next week he's going to be Hall of Fame worthy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was really surprising. I mean, uh, the, uh, the coach Verde has been, uh, uh, telling on Twitter, on Twitter, he's been, he, he, he was really confident about his, uh, his quarterback, even with the, the bad week, uh, that they had. It shows really, uh, the character of, uh, Terrence Koran, um, to really bounce back after such a, I mean, even myself was surprised at the game that we had. I mean, we did rather poorly against Grand Rapids in terms of offense and production. It was all defense that gave us uh, the the victory. I mean, six intersection and six six ints, including two pick six. So uh, that is that has got to be one of the worst performances I've ever seen. But you can't you can't. Yell at the guy because the next week he ends up doing, doing, doing the complete opposite. So, yeah, this is just amazing. <laughs> well, uh, it, it, they're really going to need him at big performance, uh, saying that the 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 Grand Rapids Dragon is still on the on the race to have a playoff spot. They mm-hmm. need to fight hard, especially against Eastern, uh, to really get there. Uh, it's good to hear, Terence Curran. We wish you good luck. Keep up the numbers. Try not to have another Week 10 performance, but hey, if you bounce back as hard as, uh, as you did in Week 11, then I wouldn't blame you. Meanwhile, North Florida, they were up. They ended up being beaten and upset by the Bandits, by the way, of fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. 17-14. <laughs> Jeez, the Bandits have not had that great of a season but this is a huge upset to have. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was really surprising to see. I mean, nobody had to accept such a, a result. I mean, 
They had a lot of fur that lost uh, some money on bets or anything uh, with uh, with that result. Uh, I mean, uh, it shows that uh, the Bandits are indeed our uh, defending champions, and they prove uh, they prove uh, to uh, to have uh, still some fight into them. Mm-hmm. That is good to hear. Uh, James, what are you thinking about Las Vegas at the moment? I mean, this is a huge upset to have. Yeah, it's a huge upset to have for especially a young team. Well, not really a young team. They have a pretty solid team from North Florida. They came in They came in strong and just kind of had a little trouble scoring after that field goal and had to put it away a couple times, and then they finally got that touchdown to in the game. Uh, and there was uh, and there wasn't enough time on the clock to even do anything because he got that touchdown just at the bare final seconds of the game to at least make it an honorable loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler, I mean, this is this has been a hu- this is a huge upset for the Bandits. Do you think this could kickstart the season, or is North Florida just going to bounce? Well, they'll probably bounce back from this, but I mean. Could this kickstart the Bandits? They're the, the reigning champions. They haven't had a great season. Is this the motivator? I think it could be. Because like I said, North Florida have been on an absolute tear all season. And I think they were hoping to claim, you know, the top spot on, on the league, you know, purely for themselves to win this week. And, you know, like Charles said, a lot of throwers would have lost their, lost their betting money this week on the result of this game. Yes, I think it's going to be, you know, the kick up the bum and the firecracker in the rear end that, you know, that the Bandits need. So you know, maybe try to salvage something of this season. Yeah, because remember, there's only like uh, let's see, uh, I believe Cowboy Nuggets here six carry four minus two. There are about uh, six more games left this season, so it's going to be interesting if the Bandits can actually sweep the board. They might have a chance at making the playoffs. Uh, it's really uh, oh, uh, go ahead, uh, Colt. Uh, no, this is Wes kind of saying, but yeah, um, I mean, there's a chance for that to happen. I mean, but the thing is, a lot of cards have had to fall their way, and they kind of haven't this year. That's kind of the problem. Yeah, they got to sweep the board, and they're going to need a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, especially, uh, especially uh, that seem uh, there. They're still in a really tough uh, conference. I mean, uh, they had to look uh, at uh, the Outlaws and the Titans. I mean, the Titans are 8-3, and three, and the Outlaws is 7-4. It's pretty much the only, uh, the only shot they have is to open that uh, things doesn't go well for the Outlaws to maybe edge them out. But it's still going to be a tough task uh, at hand because if you look, uh, just a second, I'm checking. Uh, if you look at uh, the, the calendar uh, left for the bandits, uh, yeah. just uh, my laptop is not as what it used to be. Uh, let's so see. It's so it's basically like my right leg, right? No. <laughs> yeah, a bit. Maybe you need an upgrade in both your right leg yeah. and the laptop. If you well, actually, uh, if you if you look at the the next cal- uh, calendar of 
the the bandits. I, I'm rather surprised. I'm just checking. Uh, they they play Montreal uh, uh, next Sunday. Then they face the Waves, the Corsairs, the Tropics, and finish the season against the Dons. So that could actually be pr- a few pretty easy games to win if they can keep it going. I mean, actually, it's, yeah, they have to actually be uh, in the all or nothing mode because they had to actually, they passed through the hellish uh, start of the schedule they had. And if they can manage to stay, if uh, they could, uh, at least they, they need to, to try to get uh, at 500. It's uh, it's the only chance they got uh, to maybe uh, hope to have a shot. But uh, judging from what they got left in their schedule, uh, they, they, there's some hope. Mm-hmm. There is. Uh, James, you might want to move your mic a bit closer because we're kind of uh, having a bit of a trouble hearing you. You've been, oh, yeah, you've been fine. We've been able to hear you, but you might want to you might want to have moved it closer because it would have made you a lot clearer. Meanwhile, yeah, I was, speaking I was actually, of... Yeah. Can I add a one last... Can I ask one? I just want to add a little, one little thing onto that thing before we move on for the Bandits. Their only real challenge, I think, uh, going into this final stretch of the final season would probably be the Royal because the Royal are also hunting for that final... for one of the playoff spots, too. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to make it easy for them and neither of the other teams, but I think the Royal are going to be the ones that put up most of the fight. All right. Yeah, well, moving on. Uh, speaking of rivals of the Renegades, the Ramblers have been on a roll as well. Like, they are on top of the UFFL at the moment. Along with a team we didn't even expect to be there, but has absolutely surprised everyone. It's it's Fargo's back, baby. Furball one. They are back on top as well. Took up long enough. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's really uh, much a testament to the hard work and the dedication the 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 the, the front office of the of Fargo has been working hard in putting that team back together. Where and the results are there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, Tyler, you're mainly covering the Rambles at the moment. How have you been feeling about this huge? Huge winning streak. Oh, it's been absolutely amazing. Because I will admit, they had a little bit of a rocky start to the season. A couple of wins, a couple of losses. But, you know, I think, you know, backstage, I had a little bit of a rejiggering around, sort things out, maybe trying new things. And it seems they finally found a formula that works for them. And boy, is it working for them, you know. They go, you know, win seven games on the bounce. You know, and are now sitting pretty up top with Fargo and North Florida. It's just like, you know, it's like, you know, the Ramblers have found their second wind. And, you know, we shall see, you know, how long this carries on for them. Because, has anyone got any idea what the current record for the win streak is? Uh, they're at seven. No, no, what's the current rec- league record for the longest win streak? Hmm, I'm not too sure. That is a good, hey, that is a a good, good question. question. Yeah, well, we will find out in a minute, but guys, jeez, did you see that finish of that one game? I mean, God, I mean... Oh, talk was, about a buzzer beater. 
Yeah, like, this is like, God, it's been a close match all day. I mean, one team looks like they're going to win it, and then, bam, on the last play in the entire game, the vi their victory gets snatched by the other team. My God, that heroin was buzzing about. I mean, of course, we're talking about that Eastern and Down River finish. I mean, oh, God. It's... It that was wow. I I watched the highlights on my plane. I was like, "How did he catch that and bounce and avoid that tackle?" That was like, I actually howled on the plane. I'm not gonna lie; they almost uh, diverted because I did. But it was like, "Whoa!" Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it was a huge, huge win. For Eastern, that's uh, that's uh, slowly is getting back on their feet after some uh, after a tough patch on the season. I mean, they they were they won they were uh, go, going good for uh, uh, most uh, part of the season, until, and then they catch a, a bad streak of lo of losses. Right. But the, the 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 last two uh, the last two games they seem to have uh, catched themselves and it's it's the money of Raider that they need in order to to uh, fight for that playoff spot. I mean uh, that pass from Lindrum to Alder uh, right uh, right at the very end uh, uh, you can see the the elation. Uh, how the team uh, really uh, jumped, uh, the old team just jumped from the sideline and, and went to to tackle the guy uh, in celebration. Mm. Uh, you almost felt that the Eastern won the fur bowl uh, at the same day, this uh, this game, and yeah. you can you can only hope uh, that's like I said. Uh, they 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 really motivated now in order to finish the season strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you hope that really motivates them. I mean, we did actually predict them to do pretty well here, but they've they haven't exactly lived up to the hype, haven't they? Well, uh, like I said, uh, seems that uh, in the middle of the season there there was. A little problems, uh, maybe mm -hmm. some uh, execution issues uh, in order to to get uh, ahead. But uh, sl slowly but surely, they seem to be on the right track. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a highlight game from Week 11. It is Baltimore versus Montreal. Appleby against Redfield. This was meant to be a big quarterback fight, but... We kind of didn't get it. I mean, I mean, Baltimore kind of got the advantage after a bit and kind of ran away with it. But for the first while or so in that game, things were pretty close. Yeah, it yeah. was 14-10, and the Royals looked like they were about to run away with it. But then the Ponies came back in the second quarter and scored 16 unanswered points. Mm-hmm. Then a field goal, then a field goal to close out the game in the fourth quarter, and Ponies ran away and literally ran away with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well... Go, go ahead, go ahead, Josh. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, my mistake. Uh, well, there, there's been some good uh, plays uh, throughout the game. I mean, 
uh, that uh, another another big six from the team uh, from Sandro Weeder, a uh, 73 yard. Oh, uh, geez, that that, big, that big, big bear match actually. Geez, she that, well, that was a huge play. I mean, God, I mean. It's always impressive to see larger players able to do something like like that, like a huge pick six. Like they're not the fastest on the field, but when you see a play like that, it's always amazing to see. I think that is gonna be in the highlight reel for quite a bit. Yeah. But uh our, our, but a real issue I guess was uh, that it's been another awful uh, it's been another off night for the uh, the Montreal O-line. I mean, after the performance they had, uh, uh, well, as not it was uh, not as much going well. But again, uh, the O-line had trouble. Uh, we allowed like eight sacks. Uh, Appleby was sacked eight times during the game, and, and three from uh, the Okaliga uh, Miller uh, from Baltimore. So it, it was a big factor. Poor Appleby. It wasn't. Kit, Kit needs a lot of help in that offensive line. But I will give them this credit. I'm actually looking up some of the stats here from that game. Appleby did complete at least 15 of 22 passes or one yards. Got to say something for the kid. Mm-hmm. He at least fought his, he fought his way through it. And that takes a lot, and especially the UFFL these days. Uh, Tyler, your thoughts on the game? I mean, the O-line was a bit pedestrian for Montreal, and, geez, Oakland Miller looks decent. Yeah, it's like, that was, it was an amazing game for Miller, you know, to get three of the eight sacks. Like, to me, to that, for any team to have eight sacks on them, it was like, Jesus Christ, because, you know, we all saw what happened, you know, back in, you know, when the, when the UFL first came back, you know, to the infamous Roy DeJesus moments, you know, you have one bad game, and it, and it can be the end. It's like, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people at, at Montreal are having their ears bent over the performance in that game. Yeah, but, you no, know, I, the, would, I, I will say that Tyron Alpley's about, he's a lot better than Roy to Jesus, I'll tell you that much. I mean, if he can get a very decent O-line on him, I mean, he can actually pass the ball. Yeah, and also, like, one other, like one other highlight from this last week, and I want to kind of bring up a little bit, were the Fargo Axemen and the California Dons. I'm looking at the box score for this game, and this was actually a little bit closer than people thought. Like, mm-hmm. the Axemen, of course, came in and overpowered them for like 24 points to three in the first half of the game. All right. Then in the second half, the Dons kind of somehow must have gotten some sort of new energy drink or something like that in the locker room because they came back and scored a grand total of 20 points in the second half while the Axemen only scored wow. seven. Ooh, even, though, even though the Dons lost, you got to admit that second half comeback was a message saying that we may be down, but we're not out. Mm-hmm. Don't count us out by a long shot. Right. So, yeah, that was... Any any last thoughts on Week 11, guys? Uh, well, uh, we, we're, we're still going down the stretch, but we're already seeing that the teams are going to... are pretty much going in playoff mode. Uh, they, we, now, the, the wins going to be as more important as ever. 
going down the stretch in order to secure uh, to secure a top spot. I mean, I'm looking forward, uh, especially for the Ramblers, because there's the Week 13 game where the Ramblers going to face the North Florida Renegades, and this game might be the deciding factor who's going to to uh, be on top of the of the conference uh, the division uh, at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like regardless of the result of the game, I think whoever breaks the Ramblers streak, it is going to be news because, like you say, you no, know, they're on the massive tear at the moment, and you know it's going to come to an end. But when like, and who, more importantly, is going to stop the freight train? It is the Texas Ramblers. Yeah, that is going to be a good question. Uh, yeah, especially when you look at their next games. Let's see. In Week 12, they faced the Waves. In Week 13, they faced the North Florida Renegades. That might be their God, stopping point, that probably. That could be the match of the year candidate. Yeah. That. Or if that don't work, they got the New York Titans in Week 14. Mm-hmm. And then Week 15, they got, let's see, they got... The Baltimore Ponies, that's going to be an also interesting one, too. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, that, yeah especially that the re- reuniting of Kovaluko with his former team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That will be a very interesting thing to see. That could be a potential furball matchup. And in Week 16, and this one's no big deal. They're facing the Eagles. The Bald Eagles, yeah, I think they could get it done against them. Yeah, but, that's... Yeah, never say never, though. I mean... Yeah, yeah. Know, maybe the maybe the Ramblers will just rest stars and that for preparation for the playoffs. Yeah, never say never, especially also like one last uh, little highlight also. Never, mm-hmm. never say never, especially with the Bald Eagles. They actually beat the Downriver Waves and this was actually another close game too. Like the final score for that one was thirty eight thirty four and it looks like the Bald uh, Eagles managed to squeeze one in on that one. Uh, James, have you gotten memory problems or something? I think we just, we actually just talked about the game. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. I know, yeah. Like I said, uh, yeah, long flight, long day, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, well, it's alright, it's alright. Yeah, it's alright. Well, that wraps up the UFFL portion of our show at the moment. We have one last thing to look at. It's not, it might not be as long in depth as the last two segments of but it's time to look at the FBA. I'm going to go get my sleepy time at You guys take over. I, I don't know much about what's going on. Something about an all-star break, perhaps an ownership controversy. I don't know. I'll probably chime in on that one. So you take take it away, Charles. You know more than me. Yeah. Uh, okay, my uh, colleague, uh, James, also. Well, uh, if, you're, if we've been checking uh, recently uh, the overall standings, uh, I have as of uh, January seven. Uh, it's been still uh, the, the 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 known fact about two three teams, 
the bikers, uh, the tides and the summit has been remaining on top of the, of, uh, of the FBA uh, so far. Yeah, and uh, I actually uh, talked with Team Matt about this. I told him about the bikers basically taking taking last year and then this year they bounced back and he said never underestimate the bikers they always find a way back in somehow some way yeah especially after especially after their acquisitions which we all kind of thought were kind of maybe between good and decent at best but it turns out we were way off they've been on a bikers have been on Taylor bangers of ever since acquiring Lance Wildfire, have been also on a tear. And Seattle, who's basically got the big three, like, literally the big three, they've also been on a tear. And we didn't think Seattle would be that good this year, too, but they surprisingly have. Uh, It's really going to be uh, interesting, and especially... If you look at the the, the thing, uh, I, I mean, uh, the people must be already talking about uh, about uh, the fact that uh, this uh, it could be a, a summit uh, bikers uh, East Western Conference final uh, during the the playoff. Uh, I mean, if you look at the other teams uh, that been performing pretty well. I mean, the, <coughs> the Alaska, Ar- the Arctics are not far behind, uh, followed by uh, the Spectrums, and also uh, uh, the, the, the Vice, uh, the runner-up for last year, the Howlers, uh, still keeping up, but, but not at the same capacity that they had uh, last season. Yeah, I noticed that too, and that's Quite shocking, really, and I think part of that can probably attributed to uh, the pole cat we all love and adore. And literally, I adore this kid. He's actually really intelligent. I like him a lot. Uh, him moving to the Biloxi Voodoo instead of staying with the Howlers, where they could have probably kept him and maybe done something special again this year and maybe make it back. But it's looking like it might be a struggle for Montana to actually kind of keep up as they once did last year. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, they're still a potent team, but seeing how, how much something right ahead of them has grown, uh, it's really going to be challenging down the, down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry, and, I, uh, yeah, excuse me one second. I got a quick message from some. One real quick, I gotta reply real fast. This is kind of important. Alright. Well, go ahead and keep talking. I'm not, you know, I'm not dead or anything. I mean, this thingy, this whole. What is this, a dead episode? Come on. Mm-hmm. Ah, right, what? Huh? You woke me up for my nap. I, I, I haven't been able to keep up with the FBA. Sorry. Yeah, uh, it's not. Uh, well, uh, the All-Star uh, break is coming up soon, and the voting, uh, the voting, oh, awesome. uh, the voting has already begun for the fan uh, for this coming uh, All-Star week for the FBA. 
Vote one, Barnaby Jazz. Ah, <laughs> uh, of and course. Also, and also, I also heard another uh, guy, Marcus Knight, wants to try again at the three-point shootout, so... Okay. It's his ultimate goal to actually make it. He's been in the three-point shootout since his rookie year, and he's been begging at the helms to actually win one. Just yeah. one. Yeah. I bet you he <laughs> would be. I mean, if you've been to quite a few of them and you haven't been able to get the win, you'd be chumming at the bit to get it. Mm-hmm. And there's also the ever-popular dunk contest that's also Ooh, going yeah. to vote in. That's it's always we, something great. Yeah, I agree. It's always something great there. I mean, well, except for that one year and one year in like go up '97 where it was pretty, pretty mad. But and but most, I mean, you're gonna get dud sometimes. But a lot of years, it's a very spectacular thing to watch. It always is because you always see like you see a bunch of young rookies coming in, and you see someone that you didn't expect. Would be as good as they once as they once were. I mean, I'm sorry, I take that back. You see, you see, like a rookie, you didn't expect to be as good as people thought they would be, and he actually proves everyone wrong. Like, uh, let's see, two big examples I can think of are Hector Hart and Marcus Knight, because Hector Hart last year was a rookie and like a third, third or second stringer on the bench, and never got a lot of play time. And then he came in and he was one of the top players and. Would have been rookie All Star MVP. I think he either he was All Star MVP or came close to being All Star MVP. But I don't know. I'd have to look up the. I need to go in my notes here and take a look at that for next time around. But uh, yeah. if we could, if we do cover that, but also Marcus going over to Marcus Knight in his rookie year, he was mm-hmm. the first undrafted player to actually make it to all the All Star game and also win All Star MVP. So, so he's. Mm-hmm. Look where he's at! Look where he's at now. He's playing with Texas, and he's their top player, and he has not been benched yet. Well, uh, didn't uh, didn't know uh, a couple of years before that uh, Arthur uh, Ryan Utley uh, was uh, selected uh, to be uh, in the All Star game? Yeah, but I think. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't win. He didn't win MVP though. So mm-hmm. yeah, I know. I talk, I talk about the MVPs of the game. Yeah, wait, haven't we... Uh, isn't there rumors of him perhaps maybe going in the dunk contest, perhaps? Or, or are they a bit... unsubstantiated? Well, uh, uh, I, for... haven't, I haven't heard anything yet from the producers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're shaking their heads. They're, they're shaking their heads and shrugging, saying they don't know, so we don't know yet. Yeah, all right. Well, for, for what I've seen uh, uh, over the Twitter, uh, Adam Tavella... Uh, has been uh, has put in his name in to to be in the dunk contest again. Mm-hmm. So as uh, I, I think uh, Scotty Barrett uh, also uh, right. has shown interest, right. and as well as Eve Carbono uh, that also mm-hmm. wants to give it a shot. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna do it even though the producers are shaking their head at me saying no. I'm gonna say. Uh, Adam Tavella's name is not the only thing he's hoping to get done this time around for All-Star Week. Oh, God. Um, I expected Tyler to make those quips, but not you. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. Uh, Tyler, your thoughts on the All-Star Week, <coughs> just in general? Tyler, 
Oh, so yeah, uh, really, I do not know too much on the FBA world because uh, I'm still learning about this whole game of baskets and balls. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so you're the so you're the same as like Charles and James with the Faffle. Yeah, and I'm kind of there with the FBA, but I I know kind of what's going on somewhat, but I'm not the expert to be talking about it. <laughs> That's why I'd leave it to you two. But hey, um, but coming up next, uh, um, wait, is there anything else you want to talk about the All-Star break? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's been We covered it from head to toe for right now. We'll probably do another episode later once the All-Stars are announced and stuff. Yeah, and then I can review the 1997 FBA dunk contest because, well, gives me something to do. But, uh, well, oh, here's something that we can all talk about, perhaps. So, it looks like Baltimore have have been were sold to Trent Weisterlin, and apparently there's been a lot of controversy about it, a lot of behind-the-scenes shadiness. What is the main thing that's happened here? This, this looks like a bit of a big story in the making. I have not read about this yet. I'm still like trying to make heads or tails of this. Uh, Charles, you you were the guy that kind of brought it up to me. What is mainly going on here? Well, uh, the main gist uh, of of it, as I did, I mean, the the article, the investigation, so to speak, was made uh, from uh, uh, Miss uh, Tashira Roxon. Uh, from mm-hmm. Spur for, uh, firstsport.net and basically uh, she uh, she been uh, she been looking uh, at uh, the new owner and uh, actually looking uh, into his uh, his thing i mean uh, trend uh, westerling uh, is uh, is a, a really important figure uh, in the the sky of uh, baltimore and mm-hmm. uh, from, uh, if you if you look at the the reports, uh, they've been uh, uh, they've been some pretty uh, some pretty uh, shady past uh, going down the, the line uh, uh, in order uh, from the Westerling uh, family. Uh, so if uh, if you can uh, uh, look at some of uh, some of uh, record. Uh, uh, from uh, what uh, Miss uh, Tashira has said, uh, Trent Westerling father Christopher Westerling ran an illegal alcohol smuggling ring and owned the infamous PKZ Club during the Prohibition era of oh. the 1920s and uh, oh, early 1930. Uh, nine nine wow. cases of homicide. Nine cases of homicide targeted the Westerling as suspect during the, that time by Baltimore law enforcement, but none of them was convicted in court. They had been mm. suspected of bribing police officers and locals along federal court judges. Mm-hmm. So uh, it seemed to be a deal uh, about uh, like father, like father, like son. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, like father, like son. Do you think? Do you think perhaps Trent has, instead of a speakeasy during Prohibition, he has a bloody pot shop somewhere in <laughs> Maryland? 
No, I'm actually reading the whole article through. It's more like a case of fraud and money laundering. I was making a stupid joke about prohibition. Sorry about that, but yeah, just looking at all this stuff here, I'm like, I'm stumped. I mean, there's a lot of shady practices here, and I'm looking at this going, how is Baltimore going to wash away this reputation? I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, from what you say, there's actually a lawsuit going on. If you look at the very end of the article, I saw that there was another big here. They claim to have put in an offer of 1.8 billion. And yet, they apparently lose to a bid of just 128 million. No wonder there'd be a lawsuit going on. I mean, oh boy. I'll tell you this much. Yeah, apparently the person also uh, allegedly claimed uh, she was physically intimidated to withdraw her bid, so... Oh, God. I'm, I'm look. Yeah, but from what I'm seeing here, it looks like uh, if that might be be the case. I'm guessing that maybe mm, if Trent's as bad as he's allegedly going to be, I'm not going to, well, claim sides here or anything like that, but I'm going to say honestly it's uh, wow, I'm sorry, I'm still at a loss for words here. I'm just going to say if it is true, then there's going to be some tall explain to do, but if it gets mm-hmm. swept under the rug because, well, if you're rich, you tend to find what – you have a bunch of buddies who are judges, lawyers, politicians, and you can basically persuade them to sweep it under the rug. So if it gets swept under the rug, there's going to be a huge mm-hmm. roar of disapproval from everybody in Baltimore. Yeah. Well uh... – I mean, uh, one of the uh, the rookies, uh, one of the rookies, that spoke out uh, from uh, the spirits uh, and criticizing uh, the organization, and she got a fine for it. Of course, oh, uh, of of course, of course. Uh, if you check uh, the Baltimore Spirit Twitter, uh, they uh, uh, they actually put a word from. Uh, uh, they actually put a word from uh, Westerly uh, uh, actually t- uh, calling uh, the article from Miss uh, Ruxon uh, a sl- uh, slam piece. I mean, from from what I've been seeing, is the typical tape that someone uh, a role uh, in in some cases. I mean, we seen we seen this happen. A lot from politicians and such, and but uh, uh, Mr. Shira has uh, got a lot of support from a uh, uh, fellow journalist. I mean, uh, uh, Mitch Dunn uh, from uh, uh, First Sport, uh, 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 an affiliate uh, near, near us, has been really vocal and open to help out uh, Mr. Shira, uh, mm-hmm. as, as well as uh, other journalists. Uh, uh, Steinberg uh, from the Trumpeter uh, in Miami. Uh, it's, it, I mean, uh, it's looking bad. I mean, uh, it was talking, uh, she talking uh, at the point uh, that uh, she didn't know what to do uh, 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 before uh, putting her article because she, uh, 
she thinks uh, the consequence could be life-threatening. Oh, God. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. I will let this be known right now. If Trent Westerlin tries to buy up the Parnies, he's going to have to face hell from me. Because if he lays his hands on that club like he has with the spirits, I'm not halting back. Like, I've seen from the side, this guy, you know what? Try and come get me, come get me, Trent. I'm, I'm in another country. You try flying over here and try and slap me with a lawsuit. Come on. You yeah, should not be owning, you should not be owning the, the spirits with this. If I'm looking at this, this is shady as fuck. And that, you know, beat that out, please. Just, sorry, but beat that out. You, sir, should not be owning this club. He shouldn't be anywhere near money. Cause like, like I've only just you know had a little read through of the report myself, and it's like Jesus. If I was that guy, I'd be running for the bloody hills right now. He's got no business owning any team in any sporting world. Uh, yeah, it's. It, it, I would agree, and also just like uh, one thing, you kind of, one thing that I think might be, well, I don't, I don't want. Ah. Never mind, I forgot I brought it up. Never well, mind. it's 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 really it looked pretty bad. I mean, again, uh, we we as journalists we have to look at this with open with open mind. I mean, uh, we we don't know everything about it, and of course, uh, everything uh, needs to be. Uh, uh, we need to see the real evidence and such, but if it happens to be true, uh, I really hope that this guy uh, really gets uh, uh, the reprimands he needs. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, and I really want to shout out to Miss Tashira for, uh, I mean, I've I seen her articles and everything she mm-hmm. does. She does stellar work, and uh, I would hate to see... a very good for pulling the look of it. I would hate uh, uh, if uh, something happened to her. I, I, I know we're really going, uh, we're turning into dig, uh, dead, uh, deep issues, but uh, sh- uh, you go, uh, you go, Miss uh, Roxon. Uh, if anything happens, uh, you know darn well that uh, many people's going to be uh, at your side. So yeah, um, so right now we're probably going to play the one of the hopefully both of the interviews here that that James was able to get with both Tiamat Latherans and what was it? What was the other guy again? It, it was a bit of a can't. Albert Albert John Minendorf. Okay, hopefully we get hopefully you're you're going to hear both the interview with Tiamat Latherans and Albert. Middendorf. 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 Sorry. Look, I don't... I'm not great at names and I haven't really heard them, but you're going to get... Hopefully, while you hear these both two interviews, we probably get ready for, like, a lawsuit. <laughs> and, I'm, a, I'm a war veteran. Good luck. Yeah, good luck with that, but hey. 
Here come those two. Here comes hopefully those two interviews right now. If you don't hear the other one of them, it will likely be in next week's show. And I'm James Witherspoon, back with FSN, and I have with me the what are you uh, starting uh, swing fur for the Arizona Whips, Albert John Menendorf? Oh, I'm a forward and a guard. Yeah, I'm a big fur. I know you're a swing fur. Yeah, I'm a swing fur. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I got to ask you, what are you doing out here? Oh, I just had to clear my head. I, you know, I, I, I like to clear my head my own way, and, and time just seemed right just to get away from it all. I had family in town, and uh, uh, it, it's no secret because I've tweeted it enough times. Uh, yeah, I saw the tweet you sent a little while ago to... Your friend uh, Toby Macklin, I believe, right? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest of three Cubs, and I've got a little brother and a little sister. Both are, are well, out of co- well out of college now. And, uh, well, over the Christmas break, a uh, little bro told us that he was engaged, but he also uh, is going to be a dad. So it's like, oh, shotgun wedding? We're going, no, 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 it can't be that. He's going to have twins. And then, wow. then my little sister, she says, oh, well, we got a surprise for you. Uh, my boyfriend here is actually not my boyfriend. Uh, he's, my, he's my husband, and we eloped, and I'm expecting twins. So imagine our surprise at my place, and now they're peer pressuring me. Now, why aren't you settling down, Albert? <sighs> well, you know. What can you say? I mean, all I gotta say is, well, hopefully if I can air this, I mean, I guess uh, in your family, the fish really do swim. <laughs> I'm allowed. Yeah. I'm allowed one, guys. If you're if you're listening to this in the future, I'm allowed at least one innuendo per show in my contract. Uh, or actually, it's five. I take that back. But I'm. Uh, uh, Cashing this one in. Yeah, well, it, it's 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 also I was, I've been a little frustrated. I mean, I, I think my game is off, and I'm I'm beginning to wonder if, if if maybe I'm jinxed or something. I mean, let's face it. I mean, we're trying our butts off, but you know, our, our team has been having problems, and uh, you know, I I thought maybe just take a day off and or a couple of days off and just clear my head, maybe be able to play better. You know, I, I I tend to put a lot of it on myself once in a while, right. and uh, and because all my teammates are just absolutely fantastic. But uh, ever since Lance got traded, it's like I don't know. It's it's like we've lost our mojo or something, and and uh, I don't know. I mean, you could even ask my former teammates on the on the voodoo they they would tell you i used to kick myself in the pants every time i screwed up on the court and i mean one of the last games it was that jordan marks that wolf i i felt like i was getting circles run around me you felt like you were playing yourself and you also feel like that ever since lance wildfires trade that arizona has basically tanked in a way you think or I I don't you know I that's hard to say I I don't think it's so much tanked as as I just think uh, well 
I, I kind of said, gee, you know, why, why can't he come back? I wonder if he was our lucky rabbit's foot, so to speak. <laughs> but, yeah, and that's kind of the discussion that's been going around the FBA and also in the sports medium. I can't speak for like uh, uh, some of the other groups out there, like uh, Sports Den or whatever, but apparently, yeah, you're just, I'm looking at your schedule now on my little tablet and I'm Seeing a lot of reds where you've lost, but I've also seen a few greens where you've actually won and also like a couple close games where you could have won, but I guess something happened. Maybe there were too many fouls. That's kind of been a thing that's also been going around. Like, I guess, do you think there's like something in the water? Do you think like someone's poisoning the teams to make them foul more often? Because I've noticed that like more recently, these past like however many games have played, do you think like Maybe there is some sort of curse now in the FBA because there's like a lot of play, good players getting fouled and not playing as good as they should be or something. Well, I, I think I don't think there's you know anything like that. I think you know at any time at any season you're you're going to have situations where you know a team seems to be playing really well and then the next season all of a sudden it's like you know something weird has happened. Maybe our timing's off, or or maybe you know we just need to kind of kick ourselves in the rear end and and you know try a little harder. I know we certainly are trying. I mean, everybody on the on the whips is just fantastic, and uh, we work well together. Um, I'm actually just stumped. I just can't figure out why we're screwing up. I mean, I've got gotten my you know my portion of fouls, which just tears me up. Yeah. Ask, ask anybody in the locker room, man. They hear me growl. They know they're, they know I'm just in a bad mood. Yeah, I can actually. I've actually looked at a lot of stats recently while I've been out here on this little vacation. I guess you've been here for the same convention also while you were clearing your head too. I've been pouring over stacks of like stats from players from like previous games, and I'm seeing a lot of things that are just like, uh, what in the just like what the heck like you know people seem off their game more often and than usual and it's just like i don't know i know some people always have their like downhill departures or they have like off years and everything but it's like something's i don't know yeah i mean it's it's just not our team there are other teams doing this too and 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 uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the lunar cycle. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe yeah. aliens have invaded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I've I've seen enough war. I've seen enough in wars that maybe there are aliens out there trying to manipulate us a little bit. Who knows? But but statistically, from what I'm seeing on for your guys' team for like the Arizona Whips, you guys should actually be doing a little bit better than you're currently doing. Because I mean. You have yourself, you have, uh, <coughs> sorry. yeah, your friend Toby Macklin has been really well. You have a couple of rookie guys, you have a few veteran guys, you got uh, the new kid, Jamie Charles Gold, who has actually been pretty good. By the way, how's, how are the rookies working out with the whip so far? Oh, the wor- rookies are fantastic. I mean, the rookies really get in there, and they and what they don't know, they want to learn, and we vets are more than happy to get in there and help them out because a, we want them to be there for us when we're not, you know, either at our best or worst injured. 
And number two, we want to give everybody a fair shake. We want them to be just as good as everybody who's come onto the WIPS team or, or any other team for that matter. I mean, we, we, we give a hoot. And uh, so we, you know, we encourage them to ask questions and get out there and practice just as hard as we are. We probably drive them a little harder than we drive ourselves, but then, you know, that's, that's the nature of, of being a rookie. I mean, I, I did that on the voodoo. Yeah, when you were on the, I imagine on the voodoo, you were really like super pressed by all the veteran players to actually be pushed beyond your normal limits and probably to the brink of insanity, I'd imagine. You know, not, I, I never felt that way. I, I, I was always driven. I mean, I've always been driven to, to put in my best effort. And so, you know, for, you know, for, for that kind of attitude to even invade my mind, just it never crossed my mind you know it was like i'm here to do a job and i want to do the very best i can let me know if i'm screwing up let me help you know let me help you fix it you know and so it was never peer pressure uh from them it was peer pressure on myself if anything hmm. that's very interesting uh let me think uh i'm running out of questions to answer Mm. And my hips bothering me too, so I think we might uh, call it quits here and say that this has been a good interview. I am James Witherspoon. I have been joined by Albert John Mendorf of the Arizona Whips, and it's been a pleasure having you on the FSN. Well, thank you very much, and the time was perfect because uh, I got to head back to the airport right now, and my shuttle just pulled in, so I'm going to have to cut it short anyway. All right, thanks for being here, and I will maybe see you again on a future episode. All right. And, guys, we're at the end of the show again. Hopefully we are back next time. But, but it's been a great show to have. I mean, it was great to see you come on, come on. James, I mean, hey, it was a bit late, but hey, it was great to see you on. I was glad to be here when I did. I mean, I, like I said, I flew out late, plane got delayed, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to make it to the studio. And then, like, we managed to pick up a little bit of extra wind, tailwind coming into uh, where we're at now, and I messaged you, there might be a chance I might make it, which should be on your phone probably by now, and, uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I made just it. got the notification. Yeah, I could just imagine yeah. you, James, at the airport. There's a bit years like, oh, my hip. Oh, I need to sit down. Oh, where's my oatmeal? There, I'm old. Uh, you're a lucky Yeah, yeah, yeah right Mr. Spry Spring Chicken here, just getting married. <laughs> what, am I say- what am I saying? I'm pretty young, too. But yeah, but, uh, yeah. Tyler, it got, was. Got cool. married. And got married to the most beautiful wife in the world. (coughs) You're young, dumb, and... uh, I'm getting the hands... I'm getting the posh second I made to not say the last word, but... Yeah, you got the idea. Yeah, okay. Uh, Tyler, it was was great great to have you back. I mean, we haven't seen you for a while. Great to see you back. Hopefully you're back on next episode, not gone for the next god knows how long yeah hope you're back as well it's, it's been great being back in the studio meeting all you guys and james 
But <laughs> come on, I'm a <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> great, James. I love you, man. It's, it's true. It's great to be back. Seeing all you guys again. You know, be able to do another episode for the fans. Charles, it's great to see you finally join the cast. Hopefully, this isn't your last episode ever. <laughs> ah, that's Not as much room as Where? there used to be on my left, but I'll take it. Uh, I'm pretty confident that uh, we'll still be here, and uh, I really honored to be with you guys, and I've been enjoying enjoying doing this show uh, so far. I look forward. To, uh, to uh, everything is going to happen and uh, be uh, on the lookout for the, the future development of the UFL season. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Uh-huh. Um, I've pretty much. Hopefully, hopefully we're not imposed into another hiatus because of my comments before. But I've been Wes Carey. And I've been Tyler Colt. I've been James Witherspoon coming in like super duper late. And uh, je suis Charles Bergeron. And you've been listening to FSN.